I'm having a bad day. Can't remember Aaron Rodgers' age. Chatty House is is is, is Team Kenny all day, <laughs> and 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 we're living in 1988 basketball. Man, I can't, I can't, I can't retain. I'm, I'm, I, it's the first game. It's it's the first game after the All Star break. That's what it is. It's just a, just a little rusty. If this is any indication of what the Kings are going to be tomorrow, boy, we're in trouble. Well, why can't they be me? Well, I guess they, I guess it could be you, but we're a team. Could be James. Well, well you got. We have a we have an off off day. Jim I'm Kevin Herter in the three point contest oh, right now. That hurt me. That Hell. hurt me. To say. I was like, damn. <laughs> the, the funny thing was, I was watching that with uh, with Reese and Julius Randle one before, and oh. I was like, Julius Randle, he did terrible. <laughs> he got eleven. Kevin <laughs> the whole time you're like, come on, little fella, come on, come, come on, on, little. Fella. No, the whole time I was like, Kevin, don't do this to us. Don't do this to us. Come on, man. Come on, man. They're gonna they're gonna take this out on Sacramento. Come on, buddy. Hit this last rack. Let's go. Let's go. Yeah, it was a tough. I mean, overall, it really wasn't that, like the best representation of Sacramento wasn't to me as Kata. Like, <laughs> well, like overall, that's that's as good as it got. Them damn rookies wouldn't pass the ball to Keegan. Yeah, they I, they Jordan. What was that about? They Jordan him. Just wait. That's fine. When Keegan becomes a Hall of Famer and he starts icing guys out of the Olympics, hey. <laughs> Hey, we, we we all know what moment to point back to. That damn rookie challenge. Benedict Matherin, you thought you were going to be yeah. on the dream team. No, sir. <laughs> Keegan going to be there holding an iPad talking about, I took it personal. <laughs> and then it's going to flash to Chris. He took it personal. He, he, took, he took it real personal. Um, you want to talk about Greg? Yeah, Greg Van Dusen. Um, yeah, uh, for those of you who, who – uh, haven't heard today, Greg Van Dusen, who was part of the Kings organization from like 1985 until probably, I, I don't know, late 1990s, uh, passed away today at the age of 72. Uh, just an absolute joy to be around. Um, one of those guys who always had an incredible story to tell. And uh, he passed away, I think, I read in the B from uh, kidney and liver failure. Um, but... Uh, one of the good guys. He he tried to uh, get a bid together to save the Kings, like during the relocation, the first relocation uh, stint. Mm-hmm. Um, he you know he is one of the guys who was on the floor mopping up uh, you know water when Greg Lukenbill was in the rafters, uh, trying to stop the leak from happening. Um, we had we interviewed him for Small Market Big Heart and just a great dude. Uh, a really, really interesting, uh, you know, guy who'd lived a couple of lives, really. Um, he also was, uh, he was the one that was at Arco Arena the day that the police called and uh, told him that Ricky Berry had committed suicide. Mm-hmm. He picked up the phone um, from one of his friends on the police force who was there on the scene. Uh, he went in and... Um, walked to Bill Russell's office to go inform Bill Russell. And uh, Bill Russell was sitting in a meeting with Ricky Barry's parents at the time and had no idea. And he pulled Ricky Barry. I mean, he pulled uh, Bill Russell out of the office and Bill, according to, to, to Greg Van Dusen, um, he told him and uh, Bill Russell grabbed him by the collar and lit, lifted him off the ground and said, you better not be effing kidding, uh, lying to me. And Greg said he started crying, and Bill Russell instantly knew he wasn't lying. Um, he also, that day, uh, when the media got there, uh, Jerry Reynolds broke down on set uh, trying to 
explain what had happened, and he took over for Jerry Reynolds and read his cue cards. So he's one of those guys as part of the the Kings franchise and the fabric of the franchise, and you know it's really a sad day for for a lot of people. Gary Gerald, uh, Jerry mm-hmm. Reynolds, sad day for a lot of those guys. Can you talk a, a little bit more? Because I know you you um, you know did it for uh, the the documentary. Um, what what was you know specific not specifically, but give us a synopsis of his role with the relocation um, and and what he was able to do to make sure basketball was here in Sacramento. Yeah, I mean, he's part of the original group that, uh, that you know, once uh, the Kings landed in Sacramento, he was he was there with Greg Lukenbill as part of the business side for years. Um, and then, again, when the relocation really started, he tried to form groups to of investors that would somehow, you know, build an arena, you know, whether downtown or... Uh, he really, if I'm not mistaken, really pushed to build on the Arco property because the Arco property is vast uh, and there was plenty of room to build a new arena there. Uh, But of course, land developers wanted that property to go do other things as opposed to building another arena. A lot lot like what we're seeing in Oakland where, Mm. you know, the Oakland A's property is huge. So um, yeah, just a guy who, like a Sacramentan, who pushed to keep the team here for, you know, whatever he could do. Um, we shot, uh, for small market, big heart, we shot him out in front of Arco one, which was his preference, uh, which we had to jump through a million hoops to get that done. Um, and, but it was great. And it ends up being one of the most, uh, most beautiful shots we got during the whole filming because it was a 105 degrees and we had like a white tent. So like the, the separation of colors and everything else, the clarity was just perfect. So much so that it overheated the camera and we had to actually buy a new camera because the camera got too hot that day sitting out. This does not sound fun at all. Just to be, uh, just to be <laughs> transparent. Why did we do it at, at two in the afternoon on the hottest day? Of, because of when you get out of here on July 15th. When you're making a documentary and someone says, this is when I want to do it, you, you go, okay. Why did he want to do it at two in the afternoon? <laughs> I don't know. I, even, I, I believe he's wearing a long sleeve shirt. And I mean, it was hot. We were, uh, it was hot. Apparently Greg was a big summer guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, just, you know, a really, really big storyteller and a sweetheart of a guy. I'd run into him a couple of times in the last couple of years. Um, you know, always a guy I'd, you know, have a drink with and sit down and, and talk, uh, talk Sacramento sports. Uh, you know, really an original, original character. So uh, sending love out to his family. Yes, indeed. I always, whenever you tell stories like that, remind it, Bill Russell is such a unique part of King's history. <laughs> he is. Like, it's so in comparison to who and what Bill Russell is. He was here and he's here for moments that Kings fans will hear about forever. Mm-hmm. Like the Ricky Berry story will be told forever. The Jerry Reynolds press conference will be told forever. Um he's he's such a it's just it's it's such a unique part of our history that yeah. Bill Russell is a, a part of. Yeah, and and talk about a guy who took it took the job for the paycheck and just like, you know, he he had really no interest in being here. I think he's only part of the franchise like ten months. Mm-hmm. It's something extremely short. And I, if I'm not mistaken, Jerry Reynolds had to had to fire Bill Russell. Could you imagine being oh, someone that's who had fired Gosh. Bill Russell? That's amazing. Jeez. So I am forever introducing Jerry Reynolds as the guy who fired Bill Russell now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The you know the one thing I I think about, um, and it's great that. People like you 
are here to tell a story is um, it feels like, and tell me if I'm wrong, but it feels like, you know, we're losing those people that got the Kings here and could tell that story. It's much like what people talk about. Yeah, we just lost three years off Aaron Rodgers' life, man. <laughs> time is like, time is <laughs> moving. You, man, like, Buddy Hill got plane, older. <laughs> well, Buddy, yeah. <laughs> Buddy Hill got older in the middle of the season and it wasn't his birthday. How? It, it was his birthday. He skipped he's, He skipped yeah, two years. He had two birthdays on one birthday. <laughs> That's right. Wild. Buddy. But like, uh, you know, like how people talk about, um, they talk about like World War II people who were actually in it, like Rude. Those guys who could tell those stories. You know, I'm so fascinated with the story of how the Kings got to Sacramento, California. You know, and it's, it's great that um, you spent time with guys like that who were able to get them here. And you can keep telling that story and, and, and keep talking about how they got here, how they stayed here, things of that nature. Yeah, I, you know, it's one of those things where I, I've mentioned it before, but my degree isn't in journalism. My degree is history. We all so, loved history. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I am a, I'm a big history guy and uh so that it's always intrigued me and and you know sort of the way the brain works I can be a psych, an encyclopedia of you know times it and and what's happened here and what's happened there. Um also like doing small market big heart like sitting in Greg Lukenbill's basement for 3 hours doing an interview um and you know again Greg Lukenbill is like the guy who who fought hard. He wasn't the money guy, but he's the guy who fought to get to bring the team here. He's, you know, a developer and all that stuff. A lot of, you know, building Arco and getting a team to Sacramento was nothing but a land grab for a lot of people. Hmm. It was about uh, taking unincorporated farmland and converting it into commercial and residential space. Hmm. So the county, the city, they wouldn't let it happen. All of that area out there that was farmland. And in order to bring the Kings here and to build that stuff, they were able to trade a lot of, you know, like how property is actually listed and how you can actually, what you can build on what property out in that area. And so, um, yeah, like I, I've got to see quite a few things in my my 13 years and got to have, you know, conversations, how many car rides I've had with Jerry Reynolds going to the Bay Area and yeah. just sitting sitting around and, and chatting, you know, guys like Gary Gerald that you spend time with. My, my favorite interview my entire life is Gary Gerald in the stands at uh, at Arco Arena for Small Market Big Heart. Mm. Like, by far, there's not even an interview that I've done that compares to it. It's hiding somewhere on a tape that no one's seen. You've only seen bits and pieces of it in uh, the actual film. But the interview itself was, I don't know, an hour plus and just such an incredible man. And, uh, you know, like, these are their friends now, which is crazy to think of. But, uh, you know, there was a time where these are guys that you just looked up as as heroes that are on TV and on the radio and are, you know, the coach of the Kings or making decisions as general manager and stuff like that. So, hmm. yeah, it, it's cool to get to to get to be on the inside and, and meet these people and actually have relationships with them as opposed to just looking at them from afar. And James has seen a lot of things in his 13 years. Except for playoffs. Except for that. Playoff game. Except for that. Uh, and hopefully that. Uh, changes this year you know James we were as Kenny was uh, in passionately telling everyone how he's he's ready for this final stretch run of basketball um, 
I, I feel Kenny's excitement because, you know, we, you, you look around at these other teams in the league, and obviously Phoenix has goals. The Clippers have goals. You know, the Lakers, Anthony Davis, they're all saying the right things. LeBron James, Darvin Ham, they're all saying the right things. you got, got to win every game. Every game matters from now on. And then, and then this, this is the mythical turn-up part of the season that everybody talks about. But I don't know that there's another organization, maybe, maybe, maybe less specifically an organization, I don't know that there's another fan base that is going to be riding on every single game the way that the Sacramento Kings are. This fan base so desperately wants to see that embarrassing 16-year playoff drought come to a conclusion that every game is going to garner such a reaction. Uh, tomorrow night's game is going to garner a reaction. Saturday night, Kings win the next two. Oh, my, there might be a party. <laughs> there, there, there might be a legit party in Sacramento on, on, on Friday night if that were to happen. But... These games hold such importance that, man, we you know, we were talking about this privately. We're in a, a sprint till the end of the season because everything for us, for them, has such great magnitude. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. We talked about it early in the year how, well, like at the end of January, there's only three home games in the month of February, right? And we're, we're going to have that last one coming up in a couple of days, um, tomorrow, um, but what do we got? How many home games do we have left? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Twelve home games left. That's it. Like this season, it's it's almost over. Mm-hmm. Like this is going to be such a sprint. And if you lose focus for even the smallest amount of time, things can get out of hand quickly. And this is it's uh, it's going to be an interesting phase of the season. I know. We asked uh, Malik Monk yesterday about, like, what are your expectations? He goes, to win. Absolutely. To win. As many games as possible, we are going to win. And I'm like, all right. Like, that's it? Like, yeah, uh, that's the focus. The focus is we have to, we can't let off at any moment. If we want to be there, we have to win every single game possible. And I look at their schedule, and I totally get it. There's not, like, a big break in this schedule where you're like, Okay, there's five or six easy ones. Mm-hmm. There's just not. The Kings have a brutal schedule down the. It's like the fourth, third or fourth hardest in the NBA. The second, I think, in uh, most difficult in uh, the Western Conference. It's it's going to be a dogfight. And if you're not 100 percent bought in at this point, go sit on the end of the bench, and or we'll just wave you, and you can go home now. Like this is time where it's put up or shut up, and it's going to be intense. But everyone's got to stay in the moment, and let's ride this thing out. And I think this team, this this group of guys that they have on this roster, I think they're they're built for this moment. I think of Malik Monk, De'Aaron Fox, the way he plays now, Sabonis. They're built for this moment. They're built to go out and win as much as possible. I I mentioned it last week. You know, I keep giving worst case scenario. We talk about twelve and thirteen or whatever. What are the Kings mess around and go fifteen and ten? <laughs> like they're they're good enough. They are good enough. They have been questioned, at least in in Sacramento, at a number of different points all throughout the season. And they've answered the bell every single time. I know they haven't been here before, but what they've shown me leading up to this is they're probably going to answer the bell again. They're going to get this thing closed out. Like I said, I, I came just for argument's sake with a below 500 record in the final 25 games of the season. They haven't been below 500 for an extended stretch except for the first 10 games of the season. Did, was that 5-5 five and five, or were they 4-6? and six? I can't remember. 
They were 0 and 4 to start, four, then they won one, lost one. So they were yeah. 1 and 4, uh, 1 and 5 to start the season. And that's been the only time they've done that all year. The oh, only time. Two. Yeah. Other than that, they've won games away, at home, good teams, bad teams. They've answered the bell every single time. I expect them to do the same thing now. Yeah, they got to 6-6. Six and six. That's when they hit 500. But that was in the midst of that seven-game win streak early in the season. So 6-6, six and six, and they went They never to, went below it, right? Yeah, they went to 10-6. and six. They came close. Uh, and there were times where you thought, oh, uh-oh. You know, like, are they are they going to be able to pull out of this? You know, the Pacers uh, game, leading into the Pacers game, they lost mm-hmm. three in a row. Yeah, they were uh, 17 and 15. Uh, you know, so they've been two, three games over 500, 20 and, and 18. Uh, but I don't think it, it did not get closer than that, I don't think. Expecting a collapse would be expecting something that literally hasn't happened this season. Not once. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the best team we've seen in a long time. This is the most consistent team we've seen in a long time. And if we take the we out of it, we take the Sacramento part out of it, it's been one of the most consistent teams in the league mm-hmm. um, to this point in the season. Now, if you believe Phoenix got better, great. Like, I get it. Phoenix is, is very good. They're probably going to look a little bit different. I think we got an alert from Brian Winhurst earlier say Katie could play as soon as Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you know how we feel about the Clippers already. Even, you know, I, I, I think the uh, Westbrook edition is just kind of a, a, a cherry on top of that. That's already a, a really good team. I think there are a lot of question marks elsewhere that don't involve Sacramento. I think Dallas is still a question mark. I love uh, the, the the talent of Kyrie Irving and Luka Doncic, but I have questions about that team as a whole. Um, and then, you know, talking about Sacramento, not for for Sacramento to fall, they would have to done something that they haven't done all year. You you're kind of looking for the same thing from New Orleans and Minnesota in terms of them playing in a way, in a positive direction, that they haven't played all year. Zion's not back. He, I, I think we just got um, uh, Steph. Steph is, Steph is going to be – Steph is up for uh, getting reevaluated in another week. So that's reevaluated. It doesn't mean he's back. That means he's more than a week. Re, I think uh, unless they updated it. I think they just updated it okay, today. I before could, it was mid-March. Reevaluated in mid March. That was the first. Oh, I meant for Steph Curry. Steph Curry. That was like about a week ago. They said reevaluated in mid March. I thought we got that's one we, today. That that's said next week, but let it, me it might make sure I, I'm not I, wrong. I don't have my Twitter up in front of me today. That just came out. There was a release. He's he's going to be reevaluated in another week. Okay. okay. So they bumped it. Man, that's good for him because mid March was great. Because remember, yeah, that's we wild. Had the com- I was like, wait a minute. We had the conversation. Like, there's like ten games left at yeah. that point. Well, remember, I told you guys that's an injury that no one's ever seen before. Mm-hmm. So there is no like proven track record for it we have no idea um yeah and and to go like strength of schedule just to make sure that we're all on the same page here so the kings do have the third most difficult uh or the fourth most difficult strength of schedule uh remaining the clippers are second mm-hmm. uh most difficult phoenix is sixth um minnesota is 12th portland is 14th uh the warriors is 16 um but then when you get to the bottom uh, like Dallas has the easiest schedule left, four six six against. Uh, New Orleans has the third easiest. Uh, even OKC, 
which I don't think they're cashing it in yet. They have the 26th easiest. Uh, 25th easiest is the Lakers. Uh, Memphis is 24. So these are all teams that you're you're competing with. You're around in the standings. And it's, you know, you got to stay laser focused and it's not going to be easy. The task at hand is, is to me, it's nowhere near what, what you've been through already. Like this is where you, you got to, you know, mile 18 of the marathon and that last six miles can, can wipe you out. They'll stay focused. They'll bring it home. Yeah. And if you run the first 18, right, you've got the next six with no problem. It's when you run the first 18, like a jackass, (laughs) which I might, you might've done, may may have done (laughs) once or twice. Uh, that makes the, the, the 20 mile wall difficult. It makes those final six miles. Which is what we've seen the last couple of years, regardless of how real you think it is. They've been garbage through November, December, January. Then they try to turn it on come February around the money makes a trade or two. And now that, well, you know, they hey, they're three games back of, oh. uh, of the tenth spot with fifteen to go. It could that's with twenty seven wins, they're three games back. <laughs> right, that's that's what you guys are referring to with handling your business early. They've handled their business, so now they can finish this thing all out. I mean, uh, there's all these individual markers. There's obviously you know you, you you want them to get to a point where they clinch a top sp- six spot, but there's also like. You know, they're, they're, we've got to rep our our 40 win guys leaving the chase. Yeah, and you know man. how many times that clip is going to be played when this team gets <laughs> to 40 wins? That's going to be on PTI. It's going to be on Sports <laughs> Center. It's going to be everywhere. And then when they hit the 41 marker and then the 42 marker, like there's going to be little markers the rest of the way of the season that De'Aaron, Domas, Mike, those guys don't care about. But we will. Like those, those will be moments that. Like, all right, that's a great countdown to this moment. That's a great countdown to this moment. And this is what we've talked a lot about, Jane. This race is going to get tough um, because of what we just said about Phoenix, because of what we just said about Los Angeles, and because Dallas is a bit of a wild card. I'm not buying Minnesota, and I'm and and, and, and you know you're talking about mid March. I feel like that was Cat's timeline. I feel like Cat was somewhere. Because I remember Cat, they said yeah, yeah. he might be back with like ten games that's left. A good point. Yeah. Like, where the hell is Minnesota going to be with ten games left in the season? Mm-hmm. Playing contention, sure, but are they going to be in the seventh spot? And then New Orleans, you know, we found out last week that Zion's going to be out for an additional time frame after the All-Star break. Mm. So we're still looking at multiple weeks without um, Zion Williamson in the lineup, and there's a very real possibility that we see Brandon Ingram and Zion for the first extended periods of time, like at the very, very, very end of the season. Mm-hmm. And so what's that look like? If you've got must-win games for New Orleans or you've got must-win games for Minnesota, two teams trying to get two of their primary players involved in the final days of the season, that's tough. Yeah, We saw that with Chris Webber years and years and years and years yeah. ago. A team, but the difference is <laughs> these teams aren't rolling. No. That Kings team was rolling. These teams are not. These teams are searching and struggling and – Minnesota's trying to figure out what the hell went wrong. Yeah. No good. Yeah. I mean, I think the Kings, what they have to do here is they have to show that they can continue to improve on the defensive end. Like, it's one thing to just look at the schedule and all that. <laughs> we know this team can score with anybody, right? But at, at some point, if they're truly going to be a legitimate, you know, four or five, six seed, three, four, five, six seed, they have to show us that they can sustain defensive 
you know, quality defense for at least you know, 36, 38 minutes, not like eight minutes a game. Like, or as Kenny would say, just score more. I, yeah, I get that. I get that. <laughs> but everybody here at the end is going to be trying to score more. The Mavs tried it. Didn't work. Mm-hmm. One game. One game it did, though. That's all they need. Mavs needed to win both. They yeah. couldn't. They couldn't. They tried to outscore them two times in a row. They couldn't do it. Yeah. And yeah. Kenny's right. If they just outscored teams the rest of the way, it would be. I guess. That's the key. Yeah. That's the just, key. Yeah. It's the you key. put up more points <laughs> than the, the other key. guy. Kenny's keys. Kenny's keys. Yeah. If you want to sponsor it, it's right there for you. <laughs> Kenny's, Kenny's keys. Kenny's keys to a Kings victory. Uh, we'll come back. We'll talk more Kings basketball with our 1320 Kings insider, James Ham, here on Sacramento Sports Leader ESPN 1320. D-Lo and Casey. D-Lo and Casey continues on ESPN 1320. Happy to be back here live with you as the second part of the NBA season gets underway. The Sacramento Kings and the Portland Trailblazers, of course, it's first night of a back-to-back uh, as they'll take on the Blazers tomorrow night at the Golden One Center and then head down south to take on the Los Angeles Clippers on Friday night. And then they have, is the, that can't be right. The, the Thunder Thunder, that's not a back-to-back, is it? No, it's Sunday, it's Tuesday. Tuesday. Okay, and then they got another back-to-back next Friday, Saturday, with Mm -hmm. the Clippers again, this time here uh, at the Golden 1 Center, and then the Minnesota Timberwolves again at the Golden 1 Center uh, on Saturday. Um, Lots of big-time basketball. Every game uh, is going to be big, whether it's uh, the Thunder, who we're curious about what direction they're going. Hell, (laughs) tomorrow's game could have some weight on what the Portland Trailblazers are doing moving forward. Mm. That could be the little boot. All right, guys, we'll go for, we'll go for a plan. Let's keep it moving. They drop down. Uh, let's evaluate this a little bit moving forward before we have to sell Dame Lillard on uh, Victor Wimbenyame and load managing these last 20-some-odd games of the season. Yeah, aren't they in a weird situation? They're, yeah, because... Because they're not good. <laughs> the, no. <laughs> I mean, they all, you know, with Anthony Simons is out, is that's tough. The weird situation with Gary Payton that happened, Gary Payton the um, second, and you know it's it. This is this is more of what because James, we've told you. I I think the whole intensity of the season. I think that's a bit overblown going into this final stretch of the season. I think it's a fun talking. More. I do believe there's some realism behind it. Like you mentioned, the Dallas series with Sacramento. Like I get that. Like that was really important for both teams. But what I'm really anxious to see play out, which we've seen maybe once before, twice if you include Zion, is the Victor Wimbenyame thing. How do teams really approach this next two months? Like, te- How does the Oklahoma City Thunder approach this? Like, Realistically approach it. How does Portland, how does teams that are right there on the cusp that know we're not going to win a championship, we're right on the cusp of a plane, what's better? Like, I think that's a, I think that's a more interesting dynamic to watch to me than the intensity of the season. Well, I'll tell you, I'm looking at the schedule. You got a game against Utah that that could be part of the conversation. You got three against Portland. You got one against the Spurs, and then I run out of teams that you're looking at as that type of team. Mm. So, like, it's part of the problem. Like, you have the OKC games. Like the Kings' schedule 
it's it's no joke. Like the strength of schedule isn't like we're not just throwing that number out there and saying, hey, they have a tough schedule. Like every team they're playing is at or near 500. Every single one of them, I mean, Portland's two games under. That's like the only other team that I can circle and say they're way under and they have no shot. One game against the Spurs. Hmm. You know, the rest of these teams, if they want to play for it, you know, you could see OKC making a run here. They've got an easy schedule. They're 28 and 29 on the season. They have an opportunity. Minnesota is a team who's 31 and 30. All of these other teams that they're playing, you know, maybe the Wizards we can put in that category who's 28 and 30, but still they're in the Eastern Conference. They, they can sit there and make a run. The rest of these teams, they're right in it. And, you know, again, I think Utah is going to be the one team that I think will just pull the ripcord. And you got two games against Utah down the stretch. So that's good. But the rest of these guys, man. You still got to win those games, though. Yeah, you got to <laughs> like win. They, they had a couple they, of tight ones too. against Houston earlier. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah you still yeah. got to get those uh, the, wins. The other thing I'll say about, like, um, you know, turning up the intensity in the final 25 games. Like, all right. Phoenix, yeah, turn up the intensity. Clippers, yeah, turn up the intensity. Minnesota, what the hell are you talking about? Turn up the int- who? What are you? What are you who, who are you to say? Yeah, we about to turn up now. New Orleans, no oh, we about to turn up the int- like stop. You're those, New Orleans. Those teams same thing with OKC. Like yeah. so, yeah, the basketball is going to be you know a little more intense. Chicago's in that too. Like Chicago ain't turning up the intensity. Like they're they're going to play. Like I'm sorry, Patrick Beverly is there, sir. Hey, easy <laughs> easy work for whoever whoever's guarding him. I said it all year. Easiest assignment Davion Mitchell ever had. De'Aaron, yeah, you try to guard Patrick Beverly and see what – or Patrick Beverly, you try to guard De'Aaron and see what happens. Barbecue chicken. They brought in Patrick Beverly to prop up that locker room I read this morning. Like, (laughs) oh, God. Like, that's the shape that locker room is in? Did you bring in Pat Bev? Yeah, Yeah. I mean, Chicago's the one other team that I I missed that's, you know, like seven games under. So, yeah, like, look, you're going to see teams that have been there before who are – who are super focused. You guys might be right. Like if we, we shake out and we really look at this and like what team is going to, like you look at the Clippers, the Clippers understand what's at stake when they play the Kings twice in the next week. Mm-hmm. Right. They, they understand they've been there before Phoenix, Milwaukee. Now these guys are fighting for playoff position. Mm-hmm. Uh, a team like Brooklyn that still has talent, you know, that mm-hmm. who knows what they're going to be and what they're, uh, you know, by the end of the season. Playoff then, team. But then you have this stretch, you know, you have this like home stretch with Boston and Phoenix. Uh, again, I think Utah by that point will be out of it. Minnesota, I'm not worried about the Minnesota, the Portland twice. Like you're right, but it's those other games against teams. You finish at Dallas against the Warriors at home at Denver. Like those three games. You throw that Denver game out of the window. Oh, you would think so, except for they got a head coach who can't forget the owner that fired him. And playing. you think he's going to not playing Jokic 40 minutes that night. No, but if he's got an opportunity to put you in the seven seed, oh, he's going to go yeah, for he's that. He's going to try it, but that's what we're talking about. We're talking about yeah. going up against Denver where Jokic and Jamal Murray are playing 38 to 42 minutes. Like, that's that's not who you're going to face. That doesn't mean they uh, won't also, play hard or nothing like that, but that's not who you're facing on the end of the season. Kings play Denver pretty well, too, though. No, they do. Yeah. I don't know why that is, but they play Denver really, really well. Yeah. I'd like to look at a breakdown of like the perennial playoff teams that the Kings are going to face in the final 25 games. Like I can see them here, but without like mapping it out, mm-hmm. like which teams are going to be those teams that are ramping up that you're going to face playoff competition. 
But also, you know, if you're going up against teams in similar situations to you that are teams that, you know, we can't look at the Kings, the Timberwolves, and New Orleans and say, oh, well, the Kings are way better because their record's better right now. That's just not the, We all know that those teams, whether it be injury or whether it be like, you know, a bad stretch by New Orleans, whatever it might be, like they're teams that are around the same tier, whether their record's dictated at this point or not. So those are going to be re- really highly contested games, most likely. Mm-hmm. And, and there are games that should be, you know, fun to watch and like really good competition level. Those are, you need to split all of those games or play a little over 500 in those games. And then you need to pick up the wins against the teams that you're supposed to beat. And then whatever you can do against the teams that just flat out are better than you. And there are teams in the league. The list not be like some purple shaded lens, uh, lens, you know, glasses looking at the Kings and saying, oh, they're as good as, you know, a Brooklyn. I mean, not a Brooklyn. Uh, they're as good as the Celtics or they're they're as good as the Bucks. They're They're not. They're not there yet. So maybe they... They can be next year. Maybe they can be the year after that. But for right now, those are teams that you probably should lose those games. So you break down the schedule and that kind of idea where you're circling teams that you should beat or that you can beat or that you're in the same tier as. And, you know, there is a pathway here without any question. And that's why this whole act of going through the schedule and picking wins and losses is stupid. Yeah. Because the Boston Celtics lost twice to the Orlando Magic. Yep. In a row. That means nothing. Didn't they lose by like 40 to the Thunder at home? Jesse, did they lose by? They did. Wow. <laughs> Might have been like 50. Uh, you didn't have to use that finger when you confirmed it, but yes, they the, the, the Celtics and did. The Celtics uh, also beat the Kings by 18 the first time they met. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, like, in, in this part of what we do, we're trying to figure out best-case scenarios, worst-case scenarios, like because we don't have a game to talk about. So we're just agonizing over the schedule because we desperately want them to start playing it. I, for one, am thrilled that they got two games coming out the gate. Like, let's go. Timberwolves on Thursday. Let's, let's, let's get it in. How are you measuring up against those Los Angeles Clippers, mm-hmm. a team that we think is going to come out of the – has the potential to come out of the Western Conference? How do you match up against See that right out of the gate. And, you know, there could be good and bad. I think everybody would be thrilled if they split, be elated if they won two. But if they lost two – It's going to get testy. It's going to get nerve-wracking because (laughs) we're all familiar with that feeling, right? Those two games have no bearing on the Thunder games or the Clipper games the following week or the Wolves games the following week, but we're just going to agonize over the the schedule because it's the only thing that's in front of us right now. Mm -hmm. That and Will Z's magic number graphic that that he created. I love that. Because apparently Will Z makes graphics now. (laughs) Jeez. I'm following that every single night taking one game off he's got game. he's got the magic number kings graphic posted <laughs> <laughs> but update that thing every day will because we're going to be stressing out over it the the thing the thing that I, I i want kings fans to hear and the way i feel and i'm sure everybody in that locker room feels the same way is part of the reason why phoenix strength of schedule is what it is and the clippers strength of schedule is what it is it's because they have the kings on the schedule you know what I mean? That's part of the reason why theirs is so high. Just like the, the Kings is so high because they got the Clippers and the Suns on the schedule, their strength of schedule is high because they got the Kings on the schedule. They're a good team. They're a damn good team. And like I continue to say every single time, can they do this? Can they uh, Can they answer that? Oh, they lost two in a row. Uh, I don't know. They've answered it every single time. 
I think this team is going into this final 25 games as confident as any team in the league in what they can accomplish. Will they accomplish those same things? I don't know. I'm not saying that. But they're, there's, they are as confident in their abilities as any team in the league is going into the final 25 games in the season. Yeah, you know, I would also make the point that the reason why the Kings strength of schedule is how difficult it is right now is because of the first 57 games of the season wasn't as difficult as it could have been. And that also plays into it. They have played a lot of their their easier games earlier in the, in the season to date. Like when we're looking at their their wins and losses, you can look at it, you know, we we know they have a couple of bad losses when it comes to like that one little stretch where they had, you know, three or four bad losses. Hornets, mm-hmm. Wizards come to mind. Lakers. Lakers. Hornets, Wizards, Lakers, like right in that stretch. But outside of that, like they've been really consistent and beat teams that they should beat. That's why their record is where it is. Mm-hmm. Like their strength of schedule so far this season probably is one of the easier strengths of schedules to date, if you understand what I'm saying. If we flip the strength of schedule question versus like what's left versus what you already played, I'm going to say the Kings are probably in the bottom five or six of like easiest schedules to date. And if they do what they've done all year long, for the most part, handle business against teams that they've done all year long, they should be fine to end the season. They don't play 25 playoff teams Mm -hmm. at the end of the season. Like you got, and when I say teams that they should handle business, talk about Minnesota. You know, we we, we can talk about OKC. And I'm not saying that they're, just not on the Kings level at all, but I mean that's that's again you go you play OKC two games, you should win one of those two. You got three against Portland, who we just got done saying aren't very good. You should win two of those three, and they've shown that they can do that. Yeah, I, I think the question is, can the Kings win three out of three? Because that's where we're at. Like at what's left in the schedule, if you got three games against Portland, you got to win all three, it, because that's not a good team. And you can go down the list of teams and, like, you got, what, two games against OKC, two or three? Two, I think. You really need both those games. Because there are going to be games that you just can't win on the schedule. And, I mean, (laughs) it is what it is. Well, no, I mean, there are games that (laughs) That you probably shouldn't win. Like, they wouldn't be bet to win. But they – see, I think that's where the the philosophical difference that I have with, with, with people who think that way. They have, they can beat Boston at home. Would I bet the house on it? No, but they can beat Boston at home. They can beat Milwaukee. They can beat the Phoenix Suns. They're That's, capable. Of, we've we've said this all year. They're or at least once we learned who they were. They're capable of beating any team they step on the floor with. It just all comes down to what kind of night everybody's having. And there are nights where. It's electric, and we see it, and there are nights where De'Aaron's got to score 22 in the fourth hmm. uh, for them to be able to pull it off. Mm-hmm. I know Kevin Herter, uh, he's going to have to hit more threes in the second part of the season than he did in the three-point contest. This is a fact. It ain't going to be enough. Hey, they got two All-Stars on their team mm-hmm. and an all-rookie first-team player on their team. Who they iced out because they're so intimidated They know by what him. it is. That's they know right. what time it is. They Michael Jordan him. They got a six-man-of-the-year candidate on their roster. Mm-hmm. That's a good team. As as that's as good as any of the top eight in the Western Conference. They can they can beat anybody in the league. Like I said, will they? I ain't saying that. I'm just telling you they can. 
They, I bet, and, and James knows this, everybody, they're not going in there saying, damn, we got to play Boston tonight, guys. Look, who we got after that, Utah? Hey, let's go for that game because Boston is hell. No, they got as much confidence as any team in the league. Yep. I'll just tell you, I did find it. The strength of schedule for 2022-23 season. Uh, the Kings have the 30th, 30th ranked strength of schedule so far. Up Win percentage 488 against. So they've had the easiest schedule in the NBA so far to date. Well, that's not my problem. That's <laughs> <laughs> not my Just saying. Problem. Like, look, I, people think that I want the Kings to win or that, I mean, to lose or that I'm against. It's happening. I'm just trying to be realistic and reminding people that, like, look, like this is a difficult path, and it, a lot of these guys are are basically whether they have the tools to survive or not, we don't know yet because they haven't been in a situation like this, and the game changes. Did you? It's kind of outside the Kings, more just the NBA. Did you see the Miles Bridges story? He told the Associated Press he thinks he'll be back in March. Mm. Mm. I'm, I'm <laughs> I looked at my like it's February twenty first. Like. Miles Bridges thinks he's going to be back in March, huh? <laughs> huh? I did see a story okay. where the one of the reasons why they they traded uh, is it Jaden that they had uh, Jane McDaniel on their team uh, or Jalen? One of the two. I think Jaden was. On I think it was Jaden. Yeah, yeah. that one of the reasons why they were willing to trade him was because they know they're going to have their their money tied up next season and the two Fords and Miles Bridges and. Um, and P.J. Washington. Mm. And I was like, hmm, okay. Yeah, I don't know. But I also know that we heard the story that, you know, he was going to sign in December, and then that was shot down so vehemently. Like, everyone was like, nope. And I, I still think that you're looking at, like, once he, if he does get back, I think the league is probably going to suspend him probably for a year. Mm. So, I mean, maybe I'm off there, but, yeah, we'll see. I'll say this about Miles. It was a good time to put that out there. Just whatever the validity to it is, it was, it was a good time to put that out there. Because if I'm Miles, and you talk about being suspended for a year, like I don't know if like time served comes into play or it's like, okay, time served, you can't play in March, you're suspended for the remainder of this season, mm-hmm. uh, and then consider that, you know, consider the situation done and you can enter the league next year. Yeah. But for Miles Bridges to put that days after they put Carl Malone all over their television <laughs> for an entire weekend, that's brilliant planning by Miles Bridges. <laughs> and I don't mean to harp on this Carl Malone stuff as much as I have. I just can't get over how awful, awfully tone-deaf it was for the NBA to put that out there. Hmm. And shout-out, this guy was Sports Illustrated. Someone tweeted what, like, Carl Malone missed 10 games in, like, 15 years or something. And the guy was like, oh, that's weird. I thought it was 12. Uh, fact check me. Google Carl Malone 12 <laughs> and see what comes up. And then for those who haven't done that it. That was clever. <laughs> Google Carl Malone 12 and see what comes up. Oof. Yeah. Trista sent me now. a great tweet. She said, uh, this is, she sent me a, a text exchange with the NBA and Carl Malone. The NBA said, you want to jump, jump, uh, 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 judge the dunk contest, Carl Malone? No. NBA. You'll be next to a minor. I'm oh, in. Damn. Oh, damn. Oh, no. NBA said, oh, Harold Minor. 
Harold Miner, that is. <laughs> Harold Miner looked uh, different than he did. He looked then. very different. And I'm not even t- like. Wasn't Harold Miner Baby Jordan? He was Baby Jordan. He had that baby face. Yeah, uh, he looked great. And like, obviously, he's bigger, but I wasn't even thinking about that. He just no, looked his, different. He looks yeah. completely different. I would have never thought that was Harold Miner looking at his face. He had like he had a like he was he had a super baby face. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, of course, that was a get, very long time ago. That's long time. Why did the NBA like, like just such bad? Like, I don't know. I don't know why they did. I, like I maybe you didn't have someone else. I, I guess yeah, because neither like Stockton well, and Malone. Well, they didn't Cole. invite the other guy, right? The other guy wasn't there. Oh no, I think he was. Was he? Oh, oh they didn't put him I on TV him, the no. same way. Well, they certainly well, like they didn't want him doing the interview either. <laughs> You don't want him to talk <laughs> That's at all. a good strategy. You know, it, it's really crazy because people don't get, like, the reason why this is all such an issue now is because it wasn't known while he was a player. Mm. It's known now, but, like, when he was a player, we didn't have this understanding of who Carl Malone was. Mm-hmm. And clearly, I mean, it's the same situation with John Stockton. We had no idea, like, Stockton would be this guy at this point. But um, But now that you know it, you can't act like it's not a thing. Yeah, uh, just don't, don't make him the just don't make him the centerpiece of your entire weekend. I mean, it, it's it's. I said this. You not know. to mention, it absolutely looked like he didn't want to be there. Yeah, he didn't want nothing to do with. I think he's that. wanted to ride off into the sunset and not be part of any of this anymore. Well, then let him. It's a no. I totally to agree. Roger Goodell having OJ do the coins <laughs> to the Super Bowl, <laughs> like even they got enough sense not to do that. Yeah. I don't know. I think they did put him as part of the promo for the Super Bowl. Jesse's got a great point. The juice? Did they? No, did they really? Yeah, he was on, like, they showed the running back, like, thing with all the running backs making their moves. And Oh, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't do that it. either. But even that's a little different. You just got Well, that's different playing. then. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome <laughs> O.J. Simpson. <laughs> Uh, and if, if you know, Nord maybe Bird they don't want to say his name. You know, maybe they don't want to say his name. Maybe they just, you know, want to go with his initials, you know, oh. just in case, you know. Just the juice is loose. <laughs> yeah, we know. Hey, man, I we... won't mention this guy's uh, name. I'll give him his initials. OJ, OJS. You'll never guess who he's talking about. <laughs> Still to this day, don't know who Mitch was talking just, about. We've been trying to figure out who those, who those initials are. Jesse, Jesse does make a great point. Utah just needs to start calling Carlos Boozer for all this stuff. Yeah, start yeah. doing different legends. No Darren one's going to care. They're not they calling out the out, guy. Oh no, I was, I was going to say they brought out. Bring Darren out the Williams. Sloan family. Yeah, I wasn't. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, unless, unless out, that's bad too. They brought out Darren Williams, and I didn't. That's not one that I would have brought out either. Like his well, tenure there. Well, at least he was I, just like, a bad teammate. Well, yeah, yeah. I, 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 <laughs> if you gave me one or the other, no, I, I get that. I get. I'll take bad teammate. Carlos Boozer, Andre Karolinko, we're good. Yeah, well, you can't bring out AK-47. Well, you just well, can't call, call him, him that. <laughs> you just call Andre him. Karolinko That's is fine. what you call him. And, yeah. then it, and then it'll be Reggie Miller, AK-47. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but can you bring out Andre Karolinko in the middle of a uh, like in a war? Like, Damn, Utah is just a bad place for this all-star game. And unfortunately, all like, Mark this, Eaton is no this, longer with us. This show, is, this this show is ending. Jeff Malone? Maybe yeah. Jeff Malone? Can Jeff, is he yeah, still Jeff with us? Jeff if you're Okay. Byron Russell. We, Russell. Antoine Thurl, Thurl right. Bailey. Will you two stop? <laughs> you know what? Forget it. This show is ending as badly as it started. If you're listening Howard on Isley. Odyssey, <laughs> ESPN 1320, we'll just run it all back for Shannon you. Shannon Anderson. Next on ESPN 1320. Go Kings.